Welcome to Fire of Genius, a podcast dedicated to all things intellectual property presented by the Indiana University Mauer School of Law's IP Theory Journal. My name is Caroline, and I'm a 3L here at Mauer. My name is Taylor. I'm a 3L. And we are joined here today with our guest speaker, Marek Cobran, and we are going to talk about his paper that he submitted. So first, Marek, how are you doing? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I was, uh, when I was picking off records, I miss Bloomington. Uh, <laughs> so starting from that point, I am a law student at the Warsaw University, and I was recommended by my university, so the, by the Faculty of Law and Administration, to be an exchange student in Bloomington. I'm talking about this because there is an anniversary one day, so next day it would be a year when I got the decision that I was recommended. Yeah. So to be perfectly honest with you, I'm happy to be questioned, so to speak, by you uh, about my paper. Uh, what else? Yeah, as I said, I'm a, a law student hoping to professionalize in intellectual property uh, law, both in European Union and in the States, if possible. So we really enjoyed reading your paper and we kind of just want you to give our audience a bird's eye explanation of your paper to get everyone up to speed before we start asking more questions about it. Okay, so basically my paper is about should the data protection cases in the European Union be also governed by the competition law or antitrust law uh, of the European Union? So the question is, should the big tech giants like Facebook or Google have, should they have more restrictions on what what they are doing with the personal data that they govern or less? Yeah, and spoiler alert, because the Court of Justice of the European Union issued a decision about the case I was writing about. So the Federal Carter Office versus Facebook, now versus Meta, since they switched the name. And uh, the Court of Justice of the European Union, so the CGU for short, uh, agreed with the Federal Carter Office that there is an overlap between the competition law and the, the data privacy law. So there can be, one can have a claim both with the data privacy law and the competition law. So that, that makes uh, life for big companies uh, that transfer data a little bit harder because they have to keep up with all additional uh, provisions imposed by the European Union. Yeah. So can you explain any differences in structure between European law and American law systems for our audiences? Oh, of course, I can try. The basic difference is that the United States were thought of as a federation from the very beginning. So you have a federal level. And in the case of European Union, there should be a federal level, but there is no intermediate level. Like in the US, there are federal circuits. So aside from the states, each state having its own legal system, there are fewer legal systems because of the federal districts. And in Europe, it, we, do, we don't have such a thing. So there is a Court of Justice of the European Union. There are some other institutions like the, the Council of the European Union and the Parliament of the European Union. Each of them have separate competences that they sometimes overlap. But there is no federal districts. There, there are no federal courts. For example, there is no one federal court for Eastern uh, Europe, for Poland. 
for Poland together with Hungary, Slovakia, and so on. There, there is no this intermediate level. So if uh, by signing a treaties, each member country agreed to have separate branches of law that are enumerated in the, the treaties to be governed by the European provisions, and every court in the member in all member states ruling in the cases that concern the European law, these rulings are binding in every other member states. So what is ruled about uh, the data protection in Poland, for example, can be binding in Germany or in Spain. Okay. So that's a wider, wider, you know, to say. Yeah. So as I said, there is this disparity between the one central institution, which is the European Court of Justice, and there is no intermediary. There are the uh, member states' courts. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know much about EU law and stuff like that. So that's a good backdrop for the rest of your paper, I think. So in your paper, you separate the perspectives into two categories. So you talk about separationists and integrationists as it relates to data protection versus competition law. So can you explain a little bit about those groups and how they factor into this Facebook case? Yeah. So the separationists basically say that there is so there is data protection. The da- data protection, the main document right now is the GDPR, so the General Data Protection uh, Regulation which came into effect, like it was passed in 2016, came into effect, if I'm not mistaken, in, 20, in 2018, uh, but it aims at protecting the right to privacy, which is stated in the main of three, one of the main treaties of the European Union, which is the, the one of the rights that every citizen of the European Union has to have is the right to privacy. And the GDPR is the document that is set to govern and protect those uh, those rights. So the question is, should, as in the case FCO versus Facebook, if the court knows or suspects that Facebook breaches the GDPR, in this case, by getting the data of uh, from other websites, linking those data to the data they govern already from the Facebook profiles and not listing the the website that they also get information from, that constitutes a breach of the GDPR. If I'm not not mistaken, it's the the Article 6 of the GDPR. So what the the German court, the Federal Cartel Office, did is to say, okay, you're breaching the Article 6, but not only you're breaching Article 6, it also has an effect on your dominant position of the market of the European Union. Therefore, it is also a breach of the antitrust law of the European Union. So the separationist says, you don't do that. The FCO is a court that has a distinct jurisdiction. It deals only or specifically with the antitrust law and not any other law. So even if there is a connection between the, the breaching of the GDPR and your dominant position of the market, you don't have a claim. So that's the that's the separationist view. You shouldn't treat those two those breaches of uh, personal data in the internet as a separate category. You don't combine claims from those two areas of law. So would the alternative be to file two separate claims or can you only file one 
or the other? That depends on the case, but you would normally find one. As a customer, you would only find one concerning to your data breach, but as a company, you might find file another concerning the dominant position in some other way, but you would have to uh, base your argument on another or give it another argument for your argument to be stronger. So you 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 would look for another facts to build up your position rather than only referring to the data breach. So let's talk about the separationist perspective, uh, focus in on this for a little bit. You mentioned that there was some concern about FCO's ability to make the decision. Can you explain this a bit? Yes. Uh, so the problem is that the European Union, I don't know if I should say that, but it's complicated. It's basically a mess. It has 27 distinct legal systems in it, and it tries to, uh, you know, harmonize it. And from, you know, it's not like in the US when the system was fought up from the very beginning. In the European Union, you just do it as it goes to try to react to what is happening. So not every court has the same jurisdiction. The FCO deals specifically in the German case because it's a German court. So in Germany, this type of courts only deals with the bigger cases concerning the uh, antitrust laws. Uh, so it shouldn't make the... So the argument of Düsseldorf court, uh, which is a higher instance, the regional high court, in the Germany because of the federal structure of Germany. So they have some kind of, they are federalist parties, so they, they have different kinds of courts. So the competence, the, the jurisdiction of the FCO is only about the antitrust laws. And the, the Düsseldorf court says you cannot make a link between the breach of the GDPR and your dominant position. It, it, it doesn't make sense, according to the, the Düsseldorf court. Uh, because even if Facebook is breaching the GDPR, it doesn't make it its position stronger on the European market, basically. Is there a different court that would have more competence to hear something like this in Germany? Or is this the closest match? Yeah, so that is the closest match in terms uh, if you want to fight a bigger company. So that's the, the thing you would do. You can, as far as I know, uh, you can try to file it uh, complaint with the GD, like breaching of the GDPR, but in one of the civil cases. So it would be a civil case, you against Facebook, rather than a court against Facebook. So in here is the, the bigger the institution, the bigger your chances of winning, actually. Okay. So in this case, the FCO is like fighting for a little guy, so to speak. Okay. Huh. That is, it's fun to learn about all this stuff. So also in the separationist portion of your paper, you highlight that separationists believe that the application of competition law to data privacy law could have detrimental impact on consumers. So do you have any examples of what those impacts might be on the consumer experience? Yeah, so the you know internet experience or Facebook experience or Facebook services or Amazon services would be 
because of the restrictions that they have to be aware of and you know have in mind it would it's becoming more and more difficult for them to operate on the market so they would you know the logical step is to get on somehow get the revenue from the consumers so the more regulation the more money you would have to spend the less you earn so you have to have to get the money from somewhere so you, you impose higher subs subscription fees for example or the amount of services is, is limited and uh, you all of a sudden have this premium versions so there is a basic stuff really basic but if you want to have more services or to or, or you want them to operate more quickly or more efficiently you would have to pay because the company has to have a revenue yeah okay that makes sense so what's the importance of the Asnef Equifax in Italy ACGM versus Facebook cases. Can you tell us a bit about those? Yeah, so the Asnef Asnef Equifax yeah is in French. I'm I'm butchering it. Uh, yeah, so it's the case from 2006, and it's important because in this case, this case concerned an insolvency situation and a solvency registrar. And the question was whether that registrar, which would be open, whether one registrar made in one country, can it be open for people from another EU countries? Should they have a access to it? How would that affect their position on the market? Could it be allowed? And the Court of Justice said, yes, it can be allowed. It's okay to have that, that kind of knowledge, that kind of ability to see what's, what's on the registrar. At the same time, you would have, uh, there would be some kind of sensitive information in the registrar that can be used against you or can uh, constitute a breach of, of privacy. But the CGU said that, okay, we do not combine those with the the position on on your it doesn't reflect your position on the dominant market if you have a access to that information if it's a bridge uh, this registrar is open to public you can find the information that infringes and file a complaint via the route of the data protection so these two uh, laws these two branches of laws do not overlap if you have a complaint concerning your data protection, you just file uh, according to those laws. And that's the, that's the argument for separation of those two, mm -hmm. uh, of those two branches of law. And that's the, yeah, and the ACGM, so the, the Italian ones, yeah, it's at the same similar and a little bit different because in, in Italy, there was a problem that Facebook advertises that its services are for free when at the same time, the information they gathered about you, the cookie information, so what you buy, what are your banking information, uh, geolocation, and so on, they were used later for target advertisements. So there was, so the Facebook had a revenue from the information, and they say the the service is for free. So by that logic, it isn't for free because they get something from you that they can get later sell. To get revenue so that was misleading and the second thing was that yeah so there was an information that you uh, you not necessarily have to disclose or all your informations like agree to all the types of cookies they have 
but the default setting was that you, you so so you agree it was designed so you have to agree uh or it it would be more likely for you to to agree uh, simply because of laziness to not switch it off uh yeah and the information given by facebook was just that you would not have the full experience if you do not disclose this type, type of, of data which was you know the Italian court ruled that it's still it's misleading mm-hmm. so it's against uh, the consumer law and which might be a little bit confusing yeah because we were talking about three kinds of laws that overlap in mm-hmm. here the data protection which stems directly from one of the the main treaties of the European Union and is represented right now by the by the GP, GDPR and protected by the GDPR we have the uh, Treaty of the Functioning of the European Union, and in there, there are provisions about the competition law, especially the provision one, 101 section of this, 101 provision of this treaty, which, you know, it prohibits the dominant monopolism on the market. And the consumer law, which its source can be dated back uh, to the provisions in the member states. So there are three sources of law that overlap in the case of data protection. And in here, the Italian court decided to go uh, for the consumer law mm-hmm. because in its competences, it had consumer law and not like the German, uh, in the case of the German court, the uh, antitrust law mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's a feature of the european union the different countries have different courts which have different jurisdictions and they do not always they might overlap they might not and so the proceedings may you know up, may take a different route for example mm-hmm. so since each country can kind of decide its own thing do most have you se- seen a pattern in how these courts are deciding these cases, or is it still kind of unknown for the most part? So there is a pattern, uh, but is a it, this is a pattern that appears on the higher levels of the European Union, and it, it this is the Digital Media Act. So the, the European Union Commission and the European Parliament want to regulate the gatekeepers, so Facebook, Amazon, all of those other big tech giants, to uh, share the data and to be responsible for what the, they are, for the power that they have. So if there is a pattern, it rather goes from the, let's just say, the federal powers, to simplify things, uh, rather than from the state powers. So I was trying to, before before the interview, I was trying to find any other decision concerning the Meta or Facebook proceedings in the case of data protection. And unfortunately, I found only those two uh, with the French academic paper agreeing basically with the, the German position. Okay. So how do you think the Digital Marketing Act plays into this case? And can you give a little bit more information about the Digital Marketing Act? So the Digital Digital Market Act and the Digital Services Act is a part of larger agenda aiming at regulating the, the biggest players on the market, and it forces them to. It's a separate initiative 
different from uh, from the case and separate. It's you know, it was implementing at the same time, and I I think they didn't expect the FCO case while drafting the Digital Media Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the aim of it is just to like to address the fact that the Facebook and other platforms has a lot of data, and because of that, they have the dominant position. Because the more data you have, the more information about the clients you have, the, those informations can be sold to another parties for you to have money, so you can buy off competition as was with Instagram and WhatsApp. So Facebook basically sold the data to the advertising companies that they go- that it governed throughout the years, uh, so it can gain money in and then buy off its other companies. Uh, so the Digital Media Act was uh, aiming like is aiming to curb those activities. So it forces the biggest companies to favor placement of their products on their platforms. So Amazon shouldn't have a, shouldn't position and better their products on their platform, according to the provisions of the uh, Digital Media Act. Yeah, I've mentioned Digital Services Act, which concerns like the medium intermediate level of the, of the companies operating uh, in the internet. So not as big as Facebook or Google, but still. So it's designed to give them a chance uh, in competition with others. So not to burden them uh, with the paperwork and other provisions and to give them breathing space on the market so so they can compete fairly with the bigger, bigger players like Amazon. And the Digital Media Act is aimed specifically on the biggest players called gatekeepers. And they for so there are the things they should do according to the Digital Media Act. As for example, sharing the data they govern to other companies under cer- certain conditions. So their position can be somehow lessened, given a chance to others to compete with them. Okay. So are there any critiques to the Digital Market Act? Yeah, there is. So there's the general point of critique. Too much regulation. That might be the, the biggest point because, yeah, to to stay updated in the law of the European Union is a fit and it's, it's difficult. So it's creating a lot of uh, job position for lawyers who know what, you know, what provisions are where and what are uh, in in force and what uh, and what which are not in force so the problem is that while it has in mind the welfare of the consumers it can create a disfavorable situation on the market and it could be bad for business in terms of creating a competition european competition for facebook for example because yeah, all the biggest tech companies in the world are either American or Chinese and not European one. So you can make an argument that the the rights of privacy are have the best protection in Europe, but the price is that we don't have in Europe such big uh, companies as Facebooks yeah. as Facebook. So since you wrote your paper, have there been any updates with the FCO case? I think you might have mentioned it at the 
outside of yes. Europe. Yeah. So the, the the Court of Justice of the European Union issued a decision in the beginning of June, and they agreed with the FCO, with the Federal Cartel, Cartel Office. So it's it should be prohibited. The Facebook breached the GDPR by gathering data from the third third party websites without giving a sufficient notice for the users. Yes, so that's so the antitrust law and the data protection law should so there is an overlap. So the integration won't, so to speak. That makes sense. So now that the court has decided. Do you foresee any consequences that since it decided that you could use both competition and data privacy law? Yeah, so the consequences would that it would create more chaos in terms of uh, jurisdiction because all of a sudden the court from another country that originally has a, has no jurisdiction on uh, data protection can uh, have a say what's happening in Spain, for example because of the breach of data protection, which wasn't possible earlier. So, yeah, so it's more bureaucracy, uh, so to speak. So overall, um, and thank you again for speaking with us, what do you want our audience to take away from our talk today and your paper? Yeah, that's a really good question. I And I was wondering a lot of time about it. Yeah, uh, when I was preparing for the interview, I had in mind the comparison between the US and the European Union and yeah, as a playground to see. So the European Union, the philosophy of the European Union is we should regulate the internet and also the artificial intelligence as much as we could because we don't know the dangers of it. So it's better to slow down the development, but increase protection. And in case of the United States, it's just like market shall provide. <laughs> so it, you know, we are, yeah, I'm curious which of the approaches is better for the future. Right now, I would say that the European Union approach is better because going back quickly to the Digital Media Act, it's a part of a larger bundle of the laws that are to, you know, regulate not only the movement of data, but also later the usage of artificial intelligence. So in my opinion, it's a good thing to regulate those things right now, even if we don't have, you know, sufficient amount of information in terms of how it can be used to its full potential, then waiting for something to happen, as I think is the the case in, in the U.S., I agree. It's all a bunch of new stuff that we got to figure out how to handle. So again, thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. I think we had a great conversation and we learned a lot about EU law and this case and Facebook and all that good stuff. So thank you again. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Fire of Genius. You can follow us on Twitter at CIPRMauer, I-P-T-H, or reach out to us on our website at iptheory.indiana.edu. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in again next week.